Well, does your wife know about it? Wait, did, does she know whose house this is, was? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that is a conversation that I would not want to be around for. No, me neither. I'm sorry. So, so what? You saw something weird, heard something spooky in the house? Yes, precisely. What exactly? I don't believe in any, um, <laughs> you know, stuff. Stuff, you mean the supernatural, the metaphysical, the paranormal, that type of stuff? Right. <laughs> right. Of course you don't. You never would have moved into a crime scene if you did, but here we are having this conversation. Hello and welcome to Rose Tinted Review, the show where every week we pick something we feel nostalgic for, we then revisit and review it to find out whether or not our hindsight truly is 2020 or if we've just been wearing rose tinted glasses. I'm your host, Connor O'Keefe, and I'm joined as always by my good friend and co-host, Michael Jerbaz. Michael, how are you? Hello, Connor. I'm I'm sorry for my uh, late response. Um, the research you asked me to do, I found that uh, this uh, this podcast demon is actually known as Podo. <laughs> It originated in the early 2000s from uh, white men who believed that uh, creating uh, rituals, sacrifices to them would uh, create clout and, uh, and bitches for them. <laughs> uh, man, I would not be afraid of any deity called Potto. <laughs> sounds pretty cute. Yeah, too cute. <laughs> sounds like a fucking Disney Star Wars Happy Meal ticket. I don't know. Is it scarier than the Bye Bye Man? Could hey, be. We'll get into that. We'll, we'll get into money. that. This week's film is the 2012 American horror film directed by Scott Derrickson and co-written by Derrickson and Christopher Robert Cargill. The film stars Ethan Hawke as a struggling true crime writer whose discovery of videos depicting grisly murders in his new house puts his family in danger. The film also stars Juliet Rylance, Fred Thompson, James Ransone or Ransoni, I don't know, Michael Hall, Daddario, and Claire Foley. Also stars uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. A little, little cameo. A little cameo. Uncredited as well. It's, that's so strange. Very strange. Why the fuck wouldn't you put Vincent D'Onofrio <laughs> in your $3 million horror movie credits? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's clout and bitches right there, goddammit. Exactly. I put Vincent D'Onofrio on a webcam in my movie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so this flick uh, I saw... The year it came out, I watched it with a friend over a video call at the time. And this was pre-COVID. We had no reason to be such anti-social <laughs> fuckheads, but th- there we were, uh, sitting in the dark watching this movie together in our respective homes. And, man, I shit myself <laughs> multiple times, uh, and it stuck with me, this flick. I ended up watching it, I, I think, like three or four times um, in in the space of a-, a couple of years just because I liked it so much. Nice. Uh but I haven't gone back to it since, so I was curious how it was going to hold up on on this viewing, and I'm I'm keen to get into it with you. Yes, well, I, I'm also keen. I first saw this film like a couple of days ago, um, but ah, I right, had okay. a lot of fun with it. I'd never even heard of this film, so oh, I wow. went I went in completely blind. Besides you being like early Blumhouse, Ethan Hawke, yeah, yeah. So I sat down, chucked some headphones on, which was a very very good choice to do. And, Absolutely. Uh, it was also just perfect timing that I happened to start the film when it was still daylight, but about uh-huh. halfway in the sun had set and then my house had become completely dark without me like turning on any lights. Ah, very cool. It was a very, very good environment to watch it in. And yeah, it gave me it gave me chills at points. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm very excited to to get into it. I think it's gonna be I think there's going to be a lot of comparisons of like our cubes that we've just done and our paranormal activity, of course, because the Blumhouse influences and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, this isn't a a fucking a bye bye man or a truth or dare or something like that. No, 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 it's not. Um, Yeah, this movie came out in 2012, of of course, and and came out around the time that uh, like Insidious uh, had come out at that point. I feel like The Conjuring either had just come out or wasn't far off, and it was. Just the name, like one word, sinister. I, I had I worked at a video store uh, at the time and had no shortage of customers getting insidious and sinister confused <laughs> and looking looking for one and, and picking up the other. And I think, like you say, the Bye Bye Man. One of my notes here is is literally literally references the Bye Bye Man um, because I think 
the the premise like on paper and and all of the marketing around it like the the tagline for the movie is like once you see him nothing can save you it's the you know don't think it don't say it whatever you know it it, it feels so gimmicky yeah with ambitions to be something more and i think for the most part it succeeds yeah i think so definitely yeah ambitions for more or i also think not to sound very very rude but I think it's also similar to that Bye Bye Man premise of, oh, it's this creature. And once you see him, like he's like, you know, he has a hold of you and he can't escape. I, I, like that sort of goes back to like Freddy Krueger. Yeah, I guess a little and bit. I, yeah, I guess yeah, yeah. like Sinister kind of is d- different ambitions than a, than a Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm. It's in a, in a little way like a, a kind of cheaper, that Blumhousey slightly more gimmicky feeling than maybe a Nightmare on Elm Street, but also at the same time, slightly more elegant than the, like Nightmare on Elm Street has more of that, that schlocky 80s slasher going for yeah, it. Sure, so sure. it's some, in some ways like hi- higher than that, but also feeling lower than that in, in that vein of how it's slightly lower in a sort of maybe premise or execution than a Nightmare on Elm Street than the Bye Bye Man is just that like trajectory fucking hitting the ground and, and Plotting, going yeah, yeah like yeah. fucking eight feet deep into the earth. Yeah, I think there's a lot about this movie that I really, really like. I think I, I didn't find it as effective uh, or as thoroughly frightening on this viewing. Uh, that might have been that might have had something to do with the context in which I watched it. it. It wasn't dark at the time. I was sat at my desk. It was the middle of the day. I had the blinds down, but you know, it's, it's not. It's just not the same. Had my headphones on, so I did really enjoy the the sound uh, for this movie. But I think I think it's. It's a movie that is somewhat over-reliant on, on jump scares and sounds to elicit those scares. Um, and once you know they're coming, they're just not as effective. Yeah, uh, yeah. So what I liked the most about this movie on, on this viewing, Ethan Hawke's performance and just that character, I found really compelling and interesting and got a lot out of. But I'm glad to hear that you found it uh, you know, frightening and, and effective in, in the way that a horror movie should be. Yeah, pretty much for the most part. I think uh, I agree with you there on some of the jump scare stuff, but it's not mm. for the time that it was made, probably not going overboard with those things. No, I think it was probably for the time uh, quite tasteful in its use of jump scares. And I think there are some in particular that are really fucking well-earned and really mm. uh, creative. Yeah, it's not completely devoid of of that earning the, no, those a really lot of, effective a lot of, ones. And then compared yeah. to what's come later, it feels really restrained <laughs> for, for jump scares. Absolutely. It's, it's um, yeah, I think in the, the worst examples of a, of a jump scare, especially for horror movies and plenty of Blumhouse movies of that, that time, uh, you can see them coming a mile away. Mm. And then when they, you know, have the, the sound or, or the, the thing jump into frame or whatever it is, you might jump. It might work, but you resent the film for it. You're like, yeah. fuck you, you, you fucking cunt. It's that. It's the equivalent of someone, you know, grabbing your arm and being like, oh, I got you. And it's like, no, you didn't get me. You you startled me. Yeah, my cat you know? can fucking jump scare me if I go around the corner too fast. It's Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's not yeah, the yeah. thing that you should be striving to accomplish with your horror film. You should be trying exactly. to go a bit higher than that. Exactly. And I think for the most part, this movie, even though I know, I, I've seen this movie enough times to know exactly kind of where it's going, I still think it establishes a really effective uh, atmosphere that will work still on, you know, fresh viewers. I totally think it does. And I think for me, most of my criticism would be mostly in the back half of the film and not the front half. Okay. So because this okay. podcast is about nostalgia and being positive, let's fucking start with the first half and we can like yeah. suck the movie's dick for a while. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. It's and, weird, and, demented, and- demonic dick. <laughs> and the first thing suck those bagoolies. <laughs> the oh, first dear. thing I noticed, um, I, I talked about putting headphones on to watch it. the The sound mix is really good. Mm. Um, and so, besides those couple of really mile away uh, red flags of a jump scare coming, of like the the just like the creep into silence, and mm. then the like. For yeah, the jump yeah. scare sort of sounds, the rest of the the sound design in the mix is fucking excellent. Mm. Because again, like I said, 
this was a really this was a really fun like journey of a movie for me because I didn't know the premise at all. It definitely had got my got its hooks into me in in, in like subject matters that I'm slightly more interested in than than hor- pure horror. Yeah, I thought it might. Uh, I'm not as much a horror person as you, so uh, you were correct in that assumption because well, to start with, you got the 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 eight millimeter home footage of the four people hanging from the tree and then the branch mm. cutting and it lifting them all up. And you're like, oh, that's really creepy. But the yeah. like the sound, the really, really heightened sound of like the 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 film running through the machine and the creaks and the squeaks. It's just like, ugh. Like yeah, nails yeah. down a chalkboard kind of shivers straight away. Yeah. yeah. I mean immediately the film lives up to its title like mm. and the the fact that it's they don't cut away from it. They let this thing play out in full. It's super eerie and unsettling immediately. It's it's really effective. Really yeah. fucking excellent uh, hook. Yeah, definitely. There's there's like a lot of hooks that, that kind of kept going like one after another that's like really nicely paced mm. in the beginning of this film. But, yeah, it is eerie. Like it's strange not just that they're getting hung and that they've got sacks over their heads, but it's like they're not struggling like a person that's been hung. Yeah, because yeah. they've been like later we learn like you know their hands and feet have been tied or whatever and they've been sedated and stuff like that. Yeah. But it, it's it's creepy to look at. It's just chilling. It's like this nightmare image. And funnily enough, the the premise uh, for this movie was inspired by a nightmare that uh, Christopher had after watching the two thousand two movie, uh, the remake of The Ring. Okay, he he literally had the the dream of this image of of four people hanging from a tree. Mm. Uh, that, and that's that, funny. That's opens the film. It's it's yeah. Because again, I'm not that well versed in horror films, so it didn't spring to mind. I haven't seen The Ring, but I know that that's the whole like. Once you watch this tape, you're gonna die in this amount of time, and it's mm. a similar premise. Once you see these eight millimeter, like there's a little bit more. There's some slightly more rules to it, but it's like these eight millimeter home films mm. are of these people getting murdered, and now you are gonna be the next one in the chain. Mm. because you have received them because you're living in this house. But, yeah, I like the idea of him being a true crime writer, uh, really neatly established them just, like, moving in, the sheriff not approving, the the whole, you know, relationship with the wife and the husband. They're, they're doing this quite a lot or whatever. They're, he's, like, chasing mm. this success that he had of this, like, true great book. Not everybody in your profession gets it right. Well, I've read your books, neither do you. Oh, you got it right in Kentucky blood, I'll give you that fine piece of writing but uh cold in morning you got it wrong blood diner yeah, look, that wasn't my fault all right your bad theory helped to kill or go free you ruin people's lives now this town doesn't need that it needs to heal it needs to forget i'm sure don't want that circus that you bring with you oh and uh i find this to be an extremely bad taste what does he mm. mean and then when he reassures his wife that they haven't, like, moved a couple of, uh, like, in the same street as the murder that happened. And we walked into the kitchen and we see out the back window, the mm. yard, and there's the tree there with the, the branch. It's like, ooh, that's really, really effective. And it's, it makes the, the, that very first shot of the 8mm film even better because it's like they gave us all of that without dialogue, without, like, explaining yeah. what the premise is yet. It's like, oh, fuck, these people died He's a true crime writer. That's the tree. Yeah, yeah. Showing them getting murdered first before they're moving in is a nice, like, backwards way of doing it. Instead of seeing this tree and being like, oh, there's a branch broken. What is that? And then you see, like, the footage or something and you go, that's what really happened. Like, yeah, Yeah. it's really quick, neat, lovely premise. And then the, the really weird, like, murder mystery side of things that I love, serial killer kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. With that little added bit of fantasy of... There's these fucking films in the attic that say home yeah. films, and you're like, "What the fuck is this?" And yeah, I was really hooked seeing, uh, like, you're going on a similar journey to Ethan Hawke, and he's like, "What the fuck?" Like, this is a f- film of them dying, but there's mm-hmm. more films, and then watching the next one, and it's a different murder, and you're like, "Oh fuck!" Yeah, yeah, and each one you kind of get more and more like it. It, it reminds me a little bit of Paranormal Activity in that way where. At first, you're like, yeah, yeah, show me another one, show me another one. And then by the last one, which is the lawnmower one, you're like, no, no more, no more. Yeah, that one's real fucked. 
I'm right there with you with with all of that stuff kind of hooking you in. That's how I felt the first time I watched it. And still stuff, uh, elements about the picture that I really like. It's a little bit, uh, feels a little bit Stephen King with having a, a writer protagonist. Feels yeah. a little bit Seven with the kind of gnarly 8mm footage uh, aesthetic. Mm. It makes me think of the title sequence of Seven. Um, but also the you know the the different murders and and stuff and the kind of uh, murder mystery angle yeah and I I, I too find uh, Ethan Hawke's character uh, Ellison really fucking compelling the the idea of this creative who has you know enjoyed a modicum of success and is so obsessed with recapturing it that that becomes his downfall like mm. watching it this time I mean it, it's not necessarily. Uh, super obvious the first time you watch it. And I think that's that's something that's cool about this movie is that a lot of the stuff that they could hit you over the head with, they they don't. The direction is is very effective and kind of minimalistic for the most part, I would mm. say. Um, even the the lighting feels that way. It's it, it uses dark a lot. It's a yeah, lot it's of really nice. single like- single light sources. A lot of natural light. The natural light of them first moving into the house and it being very dark inside because obviously you've mm. only got sunlight coming in and there's some, yeah, really nice, like, compositions of that light and where they're sitting in the room and mm. all that. Yeah, it is. It's 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 quite artful. Yeah, totally. And and that uh, moment where he, he watches the first two tapes uh, and or the first two reels of film and goes to call the police, and then he he stops himself because he sees his books and and goes no no this is like you know you can see him like you can infer what he's thinking, and that is the moment where he like completely dooms himself and his family. Yeah, and I mean you could I, I like to this is something I like in 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 horror movies especially uh, re- when rewatching them the sense that what you're witnessing. Either you can you can pinpoint the moment where a character dooms themselves and nothing they do from then on could have helped, or you get the sense I I, I see this in movies like um, uh, Hereditary and and like Midsummer and stuff, where uh, both Ari Aster films, funnily enough, but where you get the feeling that what you're watching was doomed to happen mm. from the outset, like it was preordained. There's something about that 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 I find really eerie and and unsettling in a I don't know. Uh, you know how I, I love it in comedy too, where where they we talked about it with fucking Daffy Duck for God's sake. That that yeah. idea that he feels like the butt of a cosmic joke. It's like taking that and making it horrific. Yes, you know. Yeah, yeah. I really like Ellison's whole dynamic character arc, uh, conflictions of different things. It mm. uh, reminds me of what you were talking about with Paranormal Activity as well. That they haven't become the gimmicky Blumhouse horror films yet. That they've just felt like they've come up with that gimmick and just shout out a really quick script that has had like no thought to it whatsoever. So all of the characters are just these like annoying, awfully written, like what the fuck is this? This has, I think more so than Paranormal Activity, these really interesting characters that are, Mm. yeah, conflicted. Like, yes, he's an author and he's, you know, that's part of his job is to be studying this true crime stuff. But then when he's actually gotten these films with some real evidence of these murders and murders that might be uh, not known about, like he doesn't know yet, these different murders mm. that aren't just the one that he's writing the true crime about. His first instinct is to call the police, and but then there's the confliction there and it's like, oh, I need to see this through. Like yeah, what's yeah. more important, doing right by reporting this to police or doing right by my family because, you know, mm. we haven't sold the other house, the mo- two mortgages, the all of this. Like there's, the yeah, pr- yeah. there's the, that real pressure on him of providing for his family that doesn't just make him a complete dickhead for not doing it. Absolutely, but there's also that kind of selfish bent to it that you can or, or I, I can really empathise with. Like I think that's what I find so compelling and scary about his arc and his demise in this is because that's a big fear of mine is is the idea that I will have, you know, as his wife puts it, like maybe you've had your 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. The idea that I will have that, even if it's you know the the fifteen minutes is is more like five, and it's not it's not even that big, but that I won't be able to let go of that, and I'll mm. I'll somehow I, I don't know I'll I'll neglect the things around me in the pursuit of of something that just isn't going to happen, and yeah, in in this case, it being his his downfall, and I don't know I really relate to that that character in the worst possible ways, I think. And that's that's what a good horror movie character should do. Like, yeah, totally. It, when he says to uh, El- uh, Tracy, 
uh, you know, I, I just need another hit. The way he describes it, it sounds like a drug because <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that yeah. that pursuit of creative success and that that recognition from your peers that like, hey, you did a good thing. It is like a drug, man. It gets you fucking stoked like nothing else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just like you said last week with Cube, they are flawed characters, but like realistically flawed. It makes yeah, it really well yeah. written, and it makes all of the again, it gives you something to actually sink your teeth into than just like absolutely oh yeah. no and they discovered the curse and now they're all gonna die in an order of really gruesome yeah. deaths or some yeah yeah, yeah. and it bullshit. makes them uh tragic instead of just unlikable mm, mm. you know yes yeah at this point of the movie might i remind you we've gotten these films these eight millimeter films it's mysterious we don't know how they've gotten there nothing yet points towards the paranormal and yeah, I didn't know what this movie's premise was. So this whole time I'm also going like, he's a true crime author. Is this going to be true crime and like a yeah. more conventional serial killer or is it going to go into that paranormal? So that was oh, also really cool. interesting watching this going like, where is this going? Like, Yeah, oh, how, I'm so glad much? that you had that experience of it because I, I saw this movie. I was excited to see this movie when it came out and I'd seen the trailer Again, it was coming out around the same time as Insidious, which has got a, a paranormal bent. And in the trailer, it's pretty obvious that there's uh, going to be some sort of paranormal bent. So I kind of went into it expecting that and waiting for that to right. to, just to rear its head properly. Hmm. And uh, but but I love the true true crime angle, and so I was kind of I don't know I wish I'd gone into a little more blind hmm. on first viewing as much as I did enjoy that first viewing. So I'm glad that you had that experience. Yeah, it was so very cool. fun. I was solving my own little mystery of the, of the ah, film. Very cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. I like that premise. I like the premise that all of the murders that are happening, there is one child not murdered in the family. Mm. That's like kind of mysterious and eerie and strange and also makes sense why the the whole justification for the move is like, oh, maybe the police didn't find something because there's still this missing girl of the family and I'm going to write this true crime book but also maybe help uncover something that was missed, which is what he did with his first book that was a hit. Mm-hmm. Um, compared to the next two or so. So that's all really good. The the tapes in the attic, it's like a nice hook and a premise, but it's not so gimmicky to the point of the later Blumhouse stuff again. No, I think like the film is still undeniably a Blumhouse film. It's, it's low budget. It's got your jump scares and stuff, and it's a fairly, uh, I guess, it's an easy horror movie to put a trailer together for. That yeah, will- for sure. You know, grab people hook, line, and sinker. It's it's an easy one to put a tagline to that's vague enough to reel in the the masses. But for the most part, uh, I, I'd say almost entirely the the, the film's uh, running time. It respects the audience's intelligence. Mm, yeah. Um, and is is handled with a uh, yeah. And it, I think you, you said artful earlier. I think that's a a, a good way of putting it. Well, like uh, Cube, again, it's one of those sort of bottle films but it doesn't it's not through the the forced circumstance of the micro budget of cube or the fact that in the the premise of that script they are trapped inside somewhere we are just seeing the film from the perspective of the protagonist and he is staying at home and he is writing and he is going down this rabbit hole of yeah yeah losing his mind and all of this new evidence and getting hooked and going in all these different directions and stuff yeah, it helps convey that sense of obsessiveness and kind of losing one's grip. Yeah, yeah. On reality and a little bit, little bit claustrophobic as the movie goes on, especially when he's walking around the house in the dark. Oh, Those absolutely. Are some, some excellent sequences. The way that they use again darkness, but also like negative space. Yeah, yeah. It has that paranormal activity thing of of you're looking in the doorway, uh, or you know any any portion of the frame that he is not in. You're like, wait, is there something there? Hmm. Yeah, no, I think it's re- it's really excellent. It's like you said, it is a Blumhouse movie, like through and through. That's what you expect, but they do a really good job of like making the house a scary environment, considering it doesn't look like a creepy haunted mansion from The Conjuring. No, no, it's not. It's not the the Amityville horror or anything. It's it's a, a single story, uh, you know, ranch style house. Like it just looks normal. Yeah. It's like it's quite nice, like modern, all of that. The rooms are kind of cool. You're like sick. Yeah, that doesn't. It isn't creepy at all. There's not some like dark uh, stained patch on the roof or something that's like <laughs> you know implying that there's something rotting going on or anything. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, just to to 
they could choose to show the kids going to school and getting in trouble for drawing what he did on the whiteboard in, in permanent marker or something. But to leave that house would remove that, that fear, that claustrophobic feeling that they're building throughout the movie. Uh, So it's a really good choice. Yeah. To keep the front yard, backyard. And that's basically it. Yeah. And, and just focus on Alison's obsession. Mm. Uh, Yeah. It feels like a good, a, a good choice for enhancing the like the feelings and the atmosphere that they're going for, not for the gimmick of, oh, what if we only shot it in this one house? Like at the end when they leave and go home to their old house, we get a different location and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Like it, it mm-hmm. makes sense and it's not like, oh, suddenly they're breaking the premise of the movie because Ryan Reynolds was ha- like buried inside of a coffin for the first half, but then suddenly we got the second half of the movie gets out of the coffin and now he's running around outside and it's not claustrophobic. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it doesn't feel like that kind of thing. It, it feels like everything in this script has actually been like thought through and mm. is there to, to be effective and stuff. Yeah, definitely. That there was actually some like care put into this. For sure. Did you uh, like talking about the, the uh, jump scares and stuff um, and the, the eight millimeter film stuff. I really love how, the a lot of the murders and a lot of the footage is shown in his gla- in the reflection of his glasses. Oh yeah, that's some really it's nice, really, really nice. lovely shots there. Um, and especially with that lawnmower one, just his reaction yeah. to the footage being the thing that 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 gives you chills. It's like what you have some constraint. You're not going to show me a woman's face getting like ripped apart by a lawnmower. Yeah, exactly. Holy crap. Yeah. Yep. Uh, because the the eight millimeter stuff was shot first, I believe when Ethan Hawke was seeing that footage in those scenes, he was seeing it for the first time. Oh wow! So those reactions, for the most part, are, are genuine. I don't know if he genuinely leapt out of his chair on the first take watching the lawnmower thing, um, but the the shots of him just looking uneasy and and confused, uh, it's genuine. That's awesome. Yeah, I can imagine that would be really really helpful uh, to be. It's a, it's like you know a nice nice way between improv. Like I remember that was the same thing for like the chestburster scene in Alien. That mm, yeah, the, the yeah. crew that like the cast were waiting outside for the makeup people to like finish the whole time mm. for hours, and then they finally did it, and they didn't get to like see the the like the makeup tests beforehand or anything. So mm. it's just like a once you're in that space and you're given something like real to look at or do, it's really easy to have, have a genuine reaction to something. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And the uh, the the jump scares, uh, the one that I remember just making me jump out of my skin, where he is, he's got the photos. He started to see Bagul in some of the footage, and he has the photo of the backyard and Bagul in the bushes. And he holds it up to the window, yes. and then when he pulls it down, he's there for a split second. Oh yeah, scared the fuck out of me. Uh, and this time, I, I knew it was coming. It's still uh, like I, I still get a thrill out of the the scare, or out of the execution of the the scare, though it doesn't scare me as much. I watched it this time with uh, uh, I watched it I watched it this time with my partner, and she fucking like gasped and like jolted in her seat, and like that was so much fun watching her react to that. It was fucking like so great to see that 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 scare is is as effective. On a new viewer, did that one get you? That yeah, like it was. That was one that was coming. That was like I could kind of like expect it to happen. Like you already know that it's going to happen when he's holding the photo up to the window. But you're just See, like, yeah, I I didn't the first time. I didn't. I, I didn't felt see like it coming. I totally knew that it was coming, but it was uh-huh. like you know beyond that point of like you know like you're saying with the horror stuff, like the, it's doomed to happen. Yeah, and yeah, you're sure, like, yeah. it doesn't matter that I know it's going to happen. It's yeah, still going to yeah. like, it's still going to startle me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that's cool. That was cool. Um, a lot of the 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 jump scares, like the things that I found the most effective. Uh, that really put me on edge and uneasy were the non-jump scares. Like I was mm. talking about how good the sound mix is when he's first getting up and walking around the house before we're seeing ghosts of things, hearing the footsteps and stuff mm. with the with the headphones on and the, the the cranked up sound. It's like oh man, it it really feels like they they nailed that mix of. There is someone running down that hallway 
like exactly mm. in his position. It doesn't sound like it's coming off from the left or the right. It's like, no, 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 that it feels like someone ran past him or yeah, above yeah. him through the roof and stuff like that. It's like, oh, that stuff is really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Going up to the to the attic and like, you know, stepping on the floorboard and it and it cracking and stuff. Or like the the door slamming shut to the attic. Mm. That stuff's mm. like, oh fuck, it's so tense. And then for that to not end up being like a real thing, it's like, oh, there was a snake there or whatever, which kind of comes back to the yeah, the the whole uh, paranormal stuff. But like before I knew it was paranormal specifically, mm. that snake in the the attic is like, oh fuck, yeah, how did someone get inside? Is there someone inside? Like that, it sounds like footsteps. Like yeah. um, officer so and so, deputy so and so, deputy so and so. Yeah, scorpions have feet, but. You wouldn't hear him like you, you wouldn't would hear him. <laughs> <laughs> Snakes don't have feet. Yeah, yeah. Very good um, detective work there. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's right. The other thing is um, you also mentioned, like I was saying, those sort of anti-jump scares of things not happening. Um, I think more effectively than the way of paranormal activity is the that use of negative space like you're talking about and that use of darkness. There is some shots where they're framed so deliberately that there is this like position center of the frame that you're like there's something there but then nothing ever shows up there and it just just creeps you out and it's like it gets you preempting a jump scare that doesn't happen and you're like oh oh, i'm losing my mind man yeah that stuff's the best that stuff is absolutely the best i think i found myself uh, even though i i love the the window jump scare that's my favorite scare in the movie I found myself a bit more annoyed by the more overt jump scares this time because mm. the rest of the atmosphere is so fucking good. I wish it was more. I, I wish there was more of that. The the bit with the kid having the night terrors and like crawling out of the box backwards feels uh, a little weird as a fake out and like it's just there to put in the trailers. Yeah, yeah, it is a little you know? bit strange because they're going for that kind of ring grudge-esque, like, weird backwards-crawling yeah. contortionist kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's a little little strange. Um, I mean, they, they justify it by having the thing, like, that being something that the kid suffers from is night terrors. And oh, I remember one time he, they woke up, he was trying to piss in the dryer and all that stuff. Yeah. I think the justification for it's good, but it's, yeah, it's that execution that feels a little bit too much. <sighs> yeah, it feels a little too schlocky modern horror film Mm, i don't know mm. i don't know how else to put it uh but i do like that as a thing where you know as you're starting to put the pieces together you're going maybe the kid uh, like the kid is is having night terrors maybe he's being possessed or whatever and so your focus is kind of on the little boy at first Mm. and you're not paying attention to the little girl yeah but all throughout the movie she's saying like i had a weird dream last night and the parents and and you yourself as the viewer was like yeah shut up you didn't know nothing yeah Yeah, the kids kids crawling in and out of boxes he's the one who's possessed go go paint on the wall again yeah exactly exactly yeah the thing biggest biggest little annoyance pet peeve uh that i could have that i just can't i can't get over because you know it's the classic like zoom and enhance thing that (laughs) i love the fact that you're able to because at first like yeah there's all of these these questions uh, about those films as he's watching them, it's like, who's filming them? Um, and then when there's the uh, the swimming pool murder, seeing Bagul in the water and turning mm. to the camera and you're like, whoa, who's this like death metal crossed with kiss, <laughs> like spawn looking motherfucker? He, he looks like Jim Root, the guitarist from Slipknot, like mm. same mask. And that's really interesting. And then I'm thinking to myself, like, why is he only in that one film and not the others? And then you get that moment of him going back and checking and you go, oh, shit. He like he was in the bushes over there the yeah, whole time. Yeah. Or he's out the window of the garage when the car's yeah. getting mur- like burnt and stuff. But then when he just like clicks zoom on QuickTime player and it's like, here's this like really, really high quality <laughs> picture of him. You're like, oh, that's a little, it's a little funny. I can't excuse yeah. all the paranormal act- activity stuff that happens after that. You can explain that with magic. You can't explain- that with magic mm. but then after that it, it feels a little bit cheap gimmicky modern horror film as well but i kind of like that it doesn't come accompanied with like a screech or a sound is when he's got that blown up image of bagul on the on his um fbi crime mm. board that it like turns and looks at him yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like i'm like that's cool like it's 
again, it's a shot for the trailer, but it, yeah, it is it is effective. The fact that it just happens, and you're right, there's no uh, musical sting or you know anything to accompany it. it. It's it's it is eerie. Yeah, and from that point, I've gone okay. We're a full paranormal in here. It's not yeah, true crime yeah. anymore. This is a true crime author that has come across a curse. Yeah, something that he, that he can't can't explain. Much yeah. like the um the the sheriff kind of outlines at the start. There's a little bit of that him explaining how this is going to play out yeah. from the outset. Um, and I, I like that too. The the use of foreshadowing in in that way, like the little girl saying, you know, oh, one day I'll paint something really good and and be famous like you. And it's like, yeah, you will. Oh, <laughs> you know, actually having the little girl having the bad dream and and even the as compelling for other reasons as the the arguments he has with uh Tracy the specific one where he's talking about like oh no these these books are my legacy and da da da, da. and she says like your kids are your legacy and in the end they they do end up being that mm, know, in mm. in a kind of twisted way yeah that's a it's a really nice twisted kind of signposting like you said like you want in a in a horror movie i really mm. like when Tracy and Elson are having those arguments as well like those are really good performances from yeah yeah uh the both of them that it feels like those kind of like real arguments it doesn't feel like a yeah. movie argument like when no when like Ethan when they're trying like, to like keep their voices down and shit yeah and then when he just breaks and he just like screams like in that really high-pitched like do you understand what you've done this time the kind of jeopardy you put your children in your marriage yes i do i understand you won't do for your goddamn book it's like it's the equivalent of the ugly cry. It's the yes, yeah. It's like no, this isn't your contained like oh, I'm still looking like a, a, an attractive movie star while yelling. It's like no, he's fucking yeah. losing it, and you know, like you're yeah. out of breath because you're screaming so so loud and for so long. And it's yeah, it's just really unflattering. It's good stuff. Mm. Mm. And again, it's that's the the thing that I find so scary about that is it's it does take that idea of like uh, what if you are so obsessed with this 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 thing with chasing this next hit or, or whatever that, that it's, you know, to the, the, the detriment of the things that you've got around you in the present, mm. like taking that to, uh, uh, the, you know, the logical horror, horrific conclusion. And again, I find that stuff far more compelling and scary than the kooky. I, I say kooky. I think I found it far more sinister and, and no pun intended um, and effective the first time, the Bagul stuff. Mm. What did you think of, of Bagul as a, as a, as a creature? I I like the concept of him as a creature and I dig the like old medieval uh references of stuff that's a, it's like uh feeling a bit inspired by like the old Pied Piper like mm. m- mythos and stuff which I dig yep. cuz that's kind of like a it, it's it's one of those things where it's like it's sung and like as like this little cute children's rhyme but then it's actually really fucked up that this man that like got all the rats out of the city and then they're like he's like pay me and they're like no we're not going to pay you and he's like okay i'm going to like play this magic song and all the children out of the city are just going to fucking like disappear like blair witch style yeah it's real yeah. creepy when you when you frame it like that so i like that as a premise um of the the stealing the children and stuff yeah yeah and even the i mean the name it's it's a bit of a it's as though the idea of the boogeyman came from this came guy came from this guy yeah yeah i like yeah, that it's, it's cool. sort of that's the the progenitor of that that part I really dig. I feel like the execution of that in the second half of the film is kind of what lets it down a bit. We talked about in our wrap-up of Paranormal Activity talking about how, like, it was an incredible movie, like, for the time and it, like, did a lot of new sort of groundbreaking stuff in that that tiny budget kind of way. But how would audiences react to that if... After that, other movies have gone on to do it better afterwards. Mm. And then that feeling kind of quaint and like, oh, cool, this is the progenitor. I can see that this is like that history of where it came from. Mm. But is there ones that have done that better? And I feel like Sinister is the best example of that, taking the good kind of premise and Blumhouse, uh, just like it's a horror set in a a, a house kind of um, style and elevating that. In most of the aspects, um, mm-hmm. the difference between choosing to do it handheld like Paranormal Activity and having it shot like a, a regular film for Sinister means that there's a lot of really beautiful cinematography in this film, really nice like composition and lighting and all of that stuff that we've talked about. Yeah. So I feel like when you re-watch this movie, you can appreciate 
how nice this this stuff is framed and and set out and edited and stuff where you don't mm. get that type of freedom to edit or compose beautiful looking shots when you're shooting it handheld mm. so i feel like there's more to come back to for a second viewing and, and and get out of this and because of that i feel like it has the potential more than any other of these i haven't watched a lot of the blumhouse movies but mm. out of all the ones i've seen this one feels like it has the potential of getting to even better heights of that artistic classy yes. kind of horror that's like yes. close to a haunting of hill house kind of horror than a a cheap jump scare horror 100% yes that's that's exactly how i feel about it after mm. after this viewing um i was the first few times i watched it i was really just enjoying all of the stuff that i liked a, a, about it and this time the stuff where it uh falls short of real greatness of being like a I don't know something, something like you say, like a, a haunting hill house. It falls just short of those things, mm. and and I mean, and I, I I'm not sure that they had you know necessarily had the ambitions for this to be anything more than it is. Not necessarily, but that's kind of what's frustrating when it's like, oh, dude, you're almost there. Like, mm. you you could have done something even better. It's it's not that um we talked about how. You've said how, like, you know, you you prefer the movie to be, like, really bad or really good so that at least if it's bad, like, there's something there to talk mm. about or whatever. And if it's just in the middle, then it's just kind of boring. This is in yeah. the middle in that frustrating kind of way that it's like, I love this movie, but it frust- the, the, the parts that I don't like about it frustrates me because I feel like if they could have, it could have been fixed with an editing choice or a cutting of this or doing of that yeah. instead. Yeah. And so little could be changed and it could be elevated so much more from that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think if this movie were to be made today, like I think this came out at a time where those sorts of jump scares, those sorts of musical stings and that kind of horror was in vogue. And mm. I don't think they were these people were just making this kind of uh, horror because it was popular. I think it was like that was the done thing. That's how you made a horror movie. Yeah. I think in the wake of uh, the recent wave of A24 horror films being kind of these almost accessible to the masses but borderline art house horror films mm. being so successful, if they were to make a movie like this now, if they were to, if, the, if this movie didn't occur in 2012 and was, was coming out in 2022 – they would probably sidestep a lot of the stuff that we're complaining about. Mm, yes. You yeah, know? I feel like they would have. Um, it reminds me of how we were talking about those those fine little differences that the uh, reshot endings of Paranormal Activity make. Mm. And there's the, like, original edit, and then they shot, like, two different ones for the uh, for when they went back and, like, reshot it and whatever. And I feel like that's the same here. There's just, like, little differences that could happen that... Uh, change things. I think that when uh, we like, I think it's it's a tiny little bit long. I think you could cut out just some stuff where we've had a lot of sections in the night of Ethan Hawke walking around, getting spooked, uh, losing his mind, getting unhinged. Uh, mm. Him like waking up and the projectors running out of nowhere yeah. is is really ominous because you're not sure. Like, well, my thoughts go to, oh fuck, has one of the kids gotten into the room? Because they keep saying, like, remember to close the door and lock your door because, you know, the, you'll fucking scar the kids because you're there's mm. all these gruesome murders on the walls. And so that's what Ashley. I first think. Like, is it something paranormal and and Trevor? sinister, or is it, oh shit, I'm gonna fucking scar my kid from this because yeah. they're gonna see it? And is that gonna be the? I think at that point. Uh, Tracy doesn't know that that's the house they're living in, so it's like, oh, is this going to be the, the 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 boiling over point that makes her discover that this is the house? Because mm. the kid sees it, he runs in and shuts it off, and she gets woken up and sees it as well or something. Um, and then it gets to the, the, the nth degree of him packing it all up and putting it away and locking his office and going to bed and then waking up and it's running again. You go, oh, fuck. This mm. is this is creepy now. The 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 sequence where he's walking around the house and we're seeing like the ghost kids like yeah poking in and out and like running away and hiding and stuff like mm. that didn't do a lot for me at all really yeah and I feel like it could be a lot more effective if we didn't see all of that stuff like I think the kids like watching the video 
the projector of up, up, of yeah, him yeah, yeah. upstairs. Like that's a good jump scare and it's a creepy image. But again, like what's the reason for them? It doesn't feel as doesn't feel as as justified as, yes. as most of the other decisions. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I feel like that's where I start to go. Okay, yeah, like why? Why is this mm. happening? Like what are what are Bagul's rules, so to speak? Yes, Bagul's rules. You know, we, I need to know Bagul's rules. <laughs> and then I I start to go shit. Yeah, I wish there was a little more thought given to yeah why things were happening. I think maybe the 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 twist with the little girl being uh you know possessed or whatever could have maybe been a little uh a little better executed if they weren't dicking around with stuff that they didn't have uh like a concrete reason for mm, yeah maybe i don't know and i, I like that i love that that yep that makes sense because this whole time i'm thinking like oh who's filming and then you go is it is it bagul and then you go wait no bagul is in every single one of these films videos yeah. so who could it be and then you're like of course, that's fucking obvious. Like the one person that's missing from the family is the one shooting it. Exactly. You exactly. Go, well, oh, they do. They do yep. have shots of the where all the, you know the kid who it goes missing is in the footage, but that's when the camera is stationary. It's yeah, on it's a, a tripod. It's a stationary one, and it's yeah. yeah. Bagul is uh, in the background, like watching, but it's her mm. committing those acts. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's great. The daughter getting possessed and all that stuff. That's excellent. It's been signposted nicely. When we actually get to that, I think that goes on for a little bit too long as well. And I think that's where the paranormal activity, uh, like alternate ending thing I'm talking about, could be so much better if you just like cut like 30 seconds out of the end of the movie sort of thing. Like really small amount. It does drag a little bit. At first I thought, uh, yep, fucking swing the axe, cut his head off, cut to black. That would be classy. And then it's like, no we got to show the video that they made and that video gets added to the collection. And I go, no, that makes sense. That's a good justification to have to show this thing. The movie opened with us seeing the footage of the, the people getting hung. It should be bookended with eight millimeter footage of the next people getting murdered. Mm. But then seeing the, like the children on the projection video on the wall, looking at her, Mm. At the at the office desk, and, and I'm like, I don't I don't need to see like this interaction yeah. of like, oh, the kids are in the living image as well, and it's like, but they were, but they were physically in the room with Ethan Hawke earlier as well, and it's like, yeah, like you said, the Bagul's rules of all this stuff. It's like it could be way neater if you just never did any of that stuff. Then it wouldn't confuse me and make me question. It would just be like, oh shit, yep, she's the killer and she's gonna make the movie. Exactly. Yeah, it's stuff that you feel like we're seeing that we don't need an explanation for, or the explanation just raises more questions. Yeah, because it's not much of an explanation. It's just a a, cre- a kind of creepy image that, again, it feels like oh, this you put this in the trailer. Mm. We we understand that Bagul possesses the children and uses them as a vessel. That's fine for her to be standing looking at the projection at the end that's above the fireplace and all of the other ki- previous kids to be in that projection footage and them to see Bagul standing behind her and then like run away down the hallway yeah. <coughs> and that's sort of the vibe like going back to that scene with Ethan Hawke with all the kids running around and just just being out of just just running away just quickly enough down a, a doorway that when he turns around mm. he doesn't see them is that implying that that's what the kids are supposedly doing? Like they're not actually trying to scare Ethan Hawke. They're stuck here as well because that's where Bagul is and Bagul is following Ethan Hawke and so they're running away down different doorways to get away from Bagul. Is that the implication? Maybe, but that's just really messy and it's much more menacing for just, you know, for her to kill the people and be like, that's the tape, put it in the box and that box goes in the attic and then that's it. And you go, wonderful. That would have been so neat. Yeah, yeah, and it's and and yeah, her drawing the like the, her murder on the like the underside of the lid of the box. Mm. It's like we don't need to see that. Yeah, necessarily. I, I I wouldn't have been like, but wait, how does that like you can put those happen? pieces together? Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing where the first half of the movie it gets us to put those pieces together. We put together that we saw the footage of them getting hung. Ethan Hawke moves into his new house, looks out the back window and sees the tree and we go, oh, fuck, that is grim. Yeah, that is in poor yeah. taste. Yeah, it feels like the setup The setup is really respectful of the audience's uh, intelligence and the payoff 
kind of isn't. Isn't at all, yeah. In a way that maybe they didn't, again, I think I think if they made this now in the wake of, of the A24 horror films, people would uh, understand that, that, you know, an audience is going to keep up with that stuff or can put those mm. pieces together in, in practice in the payoff. Uh, here it feels like they're like, no, 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 we got to explain all this stuff. Yeah, that's the one time where like maybe an executive producer would see the edit and go, oh, maybe, maybe we don't need that and like give a yeah. nice bit of uh, feedback instead of, you know, the typical like producer bad feedback that you hear yeah, of yeah. that stuff. It's like, well, yeah, it does feel like that. If someone was, if it was A24 making it, they might look at it and go, uh, have you thought about doing this? Yeah, you and don't need this, you don't need raid, this, you Rain that in a little bit or, or just like, yeah, yeah, keep it more consistent to that that really, really classy show don't tell, respect the audience, all of that good stuff that's in the first half. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's right down to, I mean, I think the only, uh, there's a, a really good, good bad flicks video uh, on this movie um, talking about the, the, the making of it, cool. uh, which is worth checking out. But he talks in it about the jump scare right at the end, the the camera pulling away from the box, and then Bagul sliding into frame. Oh yeah, and feeling like in the video, he the the guy um who runs Good Bad Flick, Cecil hates that scare and feels like it cheapens the the whole experience uh, somewhat. Well, that, um, that image of really a box movie in the attic that says home movies or whatever. Yeah, we know what that it's is great. now, and it's yeah, really creepy. And on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's the creepy thing. That's the like, if I was to go into my attic and see that box, I would turn pale as a sheet because you'd be like, "Fuck, yeah. I'm cursed." You don't yes. need a guy poking in fucking Sesame Street style like he's a yeah, muppet and he yeah, doesn't have yeah, any yeah. legs. Yeah, what the yeah. hell, man? <laughs> and apparently that was not that was suggested by producers, but not they didn't insist upon that being a thing. That was like a suggestion, and the director went, "Yeah, I'll do that." And, and it's it like, ah, oh, why'd you do that? <laughs> you fucking idiot. You know. Yeah. What do you think of the? The idea of him finding, like, getting this box again, and this time there's extra film in there, and it says extended cut endings. Mm, yeah. What do you think of that? That 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 that's a little silly. A little bit. Yeah, you're right. Um, I kind of forgotten about that part. <laughs> like, I don't <laughs> think. I, I feel like that's that's another thing that you could have done without. Like the idea that the uh, I think we could could have put that together that it was the kids. Just from his coffee being poisoned, and, him and then her coming in and killing them, yeah, coming and killing that. Like you would, yeah, you would put those pieces together, uh, and then it ending with the the footage. Like you go, oh, so all of the fucking things kids it was from it. their perspective. The kids, yeah. Did we, it. If we see one kid film the video, we understand and get from that that all of them filmed the video. Yes, yeah. I feel like that extended cut little package is to be there to again justify the reason why Ethan Hawke is gonna like grab them again. But I feel like because at this point he's gone, no, I was wrong. Let's fucking burn it. Let's go home. Let's get out of here. And I'm just going to forget about it. I'm not going to write my book because my family are more important. You go, oh, cool. That's nice. The confliction mm. ended and he's, you know, done the right thing in the end. I don't feel like it's a portrayal of his character to get the films again when they magically appear in his in his other attic. Yeah. Partway across the country after he's already burnt them. You don't need to give him the extended cut ones to to make him pull uh, to make the him pull them the out. Yeah, or yeah, sure. uh, you could have he could have not even taken them out of the attic. He could have seen them, gotten freaked, run downstairs. You know, taken the phone call or called the the guy that he was calling. Yeah, yeah, to ask about stuff. It almost feels like it's there just to give him something to do while he drinks coffee. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It feels like a little bit like that or maybe a little bit like uh, they wanted their saw revelation moment of, oh, let's yeah. edit it together and let's show all the footage of the different ones happening. And yeah, But they yeah, didn't put yeah. it to like the snazzy music like Saw does, which is what makes that movie feel so satisfying when you're like, oh, oh my, oh my God, that, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, when the oh, soundtrack's shoot. going, dun, 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 yeah. Yeah, it feels like a mix of those things. But, yeah, he could have gotten the phone call from Deputy So-and-So and and so-and-so's like, why did you move house? Like, every single person Mm. lived in the murder house until they moved and then they got murdered in their next house and that's how it's, like, moving around and travelling. Yeah, Which I is a do good, love that. That's a it's good, a great reveal. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's, the- a good, it's a good premise as well because, uh, the like, it's a bit overdone the like oh man there was people murdered in this house and they move in and it's haunted and they get murdered too and it's like yeah there's only going to be so many people moving it moving into that house after yeah, there's been yeah, 17 the families murdered there yeah 
So it's yeah. like, yeah, it's good that it gets, you know, pay it forward. Mm. You move yeah. it around. <laughs> That's it. I'm uh, I'm a little bit curious, morbidly curious, because I'm sure it's not uh, any good. But have you seen Sinister 2? No, I haven't. I uh, I saw the trailers and I was like, ooh, because I really liked the first one. Uh, and then it came out and reviews were terrible. And so I didn't bother to watch the sequel. After just watching this one and seeing the poster, I'm like, the poster for Sinister 1 is the blood on the wall and it's a drawing of, like, the face of Bagul. Yeah. That's cool because uh, when you've watched the movie, you understand, oh, yeah, no, it's the girl. She does. She makes the paintings on the wall with the blood because she's making a big famous painting. Yeah. Sinister 2's poster is also the blood on the wall, but there's two children standing there looking at it. Uh-huh. And yeah. they're like, it's one child instead of two children. You get it? It's like in Saw when they had like Saw 2 was two cut off fingers. <laughs> the two fingies. But it's like, well, no, if Sinister 2 is following, is a sequel, shouldn't the poster be demonstrating the next murder? And that's the point of these chain murders is that the, the execution of these murders is different mm. every time. Mm. They're not always chopped up with an axe and the blood drawn on the wall. That's not yeah. the, the that's not the connecting tissue. The connecting tissue is these people lived in this house where these people were murdered and then they got murdered when they moved to a new house. Mm. One of the children is missing from that family who was murdered. And then there's also the the little omens of the scorpion, the snake and the what's the other one? The black dog. The black dog. And you're like, "Cool. Some yeah, like kind of medieval imagery idea Mm. um, stuff that sort of is that mythology angle to it. That's neat. So why is your Sinister 2 poster just like a remix of the first poster? So that didn't give me high hopes or any confidence whatsoever to begin with. Also, when you search it, there's like Sinister 3 cancelled question mark. When is it going to come out? And you're like, oh, yeah, no, I don't think if it was popular, we would have gotten a third one like The Conjuring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, considering the the norm for these types of horror movies, like your Saw, like your Nightmare on Elm Street, like your Paranormal Activities, you get like eight sequels to them. Yeah. So for a horror movie to only get one sequel, it's like, oh, it must have been shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because totally. if it, if it was making money, they would have made eight more. Exactly. Yeah. Overall, uh, it's still a solid film. I think it's. Still one worth watching. It's still one that I would recommend to people who hadn't seen it before. I'm glad that you had fun with it. Mm. No, I'm very glad I watched it. It's it's of its time in certain ways, but not in any ways that are, you know, utterly enjoyment ruining. Mm. Um, and again, I think it's it's admirable for, for having greater ambitions than being, you know, a bye-bye man-esque flick. Well, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you did, sharing the podcast around is immensely helpful that word of mouth is always great for us. And uh, if you want to help us out monetarily, you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash rose tinted review. Also, uh, another another great way to help us out. If you're moving house soon, just uh, download a bunch of the episodes and put them in a box and leave them in the attic. <laughs> and just like, you know, just pay it forward. The, the next people that move in, they can find Subject our podcast. Subject to our way. podcast. That's yeah, right. exactly. The curse of <laughs> rose tinted review. Um Speaking of Patreon, this coming month's episode of The Blind Spot, which is available at the $10 tier, it's our monthly catch-up podcast wherein we endeavour to fill in our viewing blind spots with cult classics, modern marvels, and new releases. I picked this week's film on the back of a new release that I wanted to check out and talk about on The Blind Spot, which is Scott Derrickson's latest horror movie, also starring Ethan Hawke, written by the same dudes, The Black Phone. Yes. Which I'm very excited for because uh, I mentioned this movie giving me uh, Stephen King vibes. The Black Phone is based on a short story by Joe Hill, who is Stephen King's son. Ah, cool. Yes, and an excellent horror writer in his own right. Wonderful. So we'll definitely be talking about that on that. So consider signing up to Patreon. You can find links to all of our socials in the episode description. You can hit us up on any of those and tell us your response to this week's question. What is something that you would not want to find a box of if you moved into uh, a new house? It's a good one. I feel like almost it. Uh, not almost anything. No, that's not true. If I found like a box of Pokemon cards, I'd be like, I'm rich. <laughs> you get cursed by some fucking pagan weeaboo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that works. Michael, how are you following this up? What do you want to go from here? I want to go from this movie. We talked about it being borderline outhouse. I want yeah. to go 100% D 
dead set art house with this next Uh-oh. pick because I feel like we haven't done a real artsy movie in a while. Um, and this no, one, we've been we've been all too fartsy, not enough artsy. Let's go. That's right. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with the fall. The fall. Uh, an interesting fantasy esque uh, fairy tale kind of movie. I'm glad to 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 hear that you've never heard of it. No, I haven't. A 2006 film. Yeah, yeah. So going to be keen to see what your thoughts are. Ah, all right, cool. Well, join us next time where we'll find out whether or not our hindsight truly is 2020, or if we've just been wearing rose-tinted glasses. It's a symbol uh, associated with the worship of a pagan deity. A deity? What kind of deity? Uh, a, a very obscure one, dating back to Babylonian times, named Bagul, the eater of children. Did you say eater? Yes, uh, uh, of children. 